0: From beautiful Burbank, California, this is Life Ranked on the Napsok Files podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsock for another edition where we rank life. A lot of times it's me and a guest, but today is a special edition of Life Ranked. That's right. Last time out, we had Grace and Don Hancock ranking the best reasons uh, that sisters are so cool. We had Thad Williams and I talking about the best bands of the 90s. But now it's me. I have the power. I'm in a studio alone. And I will be ranking, well, things I've learned after 20 years in Los Angeles. A different kind of life-ranked edition here. That's right. It's me and you talking And if you're listening to this show when it was released on August 15th, 2018, in the year of our Lord, that is to the day, the 20th anniversary of me, Katnapsuck, moving to Los Angeles. I've done a lot. I've learned a lot. I've succeeded. I've failed. It's been a long time, and it's gone in a blink. Poof, we're here. 20 years gone. I don't have a lot to say about it. And I felt, wow, this synced up perfectly. Not only did it sync up perfectly on the date, but also the episode. This is the 20th episode of Life Ranked, covering 20 years in Los Angeles. Before we begin, I will remind you that today's episode of the NAPSOC Files is brought to you in part by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of classes in design, business, technology, and more. Classes are accessible and approachable with classes taught by real world practitioners. And I say this because I've written it, sounds like I'm reading it as just ad copy. But no, no, no. I'm not just telling you about Skillshare, I actually use Skillshare. I watch classes uh, for freelancers, how to budget, how to plan as a freelancer, social media strategies for, like, Instagram, and other tips. I legitimately use this. So they had an affiliate program, and I wanted to sign up, and they, very specific to The Knapsack Files, Skillshare is giving a two-month free trial to you. Just sign up using my promo code, The Knapsack Files 2MO. That's The Knapsack Files, the number 2, and MO. Just go to Skillshare.com. And on checkout, use that promo code, the Files 2 mo You can cancel any time. That is the 100% truth. Try it out. I'm actually telling you. Give it a chance. Try it out. Learn some new things. Uh, you can also become a teacher and down the line very shortly. That's something I hope to be doing and teaching some classes on there as well. So sign up for Skillshare. Your brain will thank you. Go to Skillshare.com. And use that promo code, the Files 2 mo Let's do it. Let us rank Los Angeles? I don't know. Is it, is it, is it Los Angeles that I'm ranking? No. It's a different kind of list. I'll be honest with you guys, in my confessional style, I thought about making this a three things, an episode of the three things. It's so funny that AppStock Files goes through, goes through little waves. Sometimes it's real easy for me to get guests on in here. The schedules sync up. My schedule syncs up. And we've had a lot of guests and we got a guest next week and we got more on the way. Fun. And I, I think that's the that's the core of the show. That's that's why I started doing the Napsack Files well, to interview the cool people in my life. Other shows started popping up and I have fun doing those and I will continue to do those much like this show, Life, Frank. But at the core, of the show is about uh, interviews. So um, I haven't done a three things in a while. There was a there was a while when I couldn't get guests in here as my schedule wasn't syncing up. and There was like 10 straight episodes of the three things. Three things is my thoughts. And at one point, I accidentally kind of turned the three things into the life ranked. It was like the same show. I was like giving you a rank of three, a list of three things, and then I was giving you a list of five. Cleared that up. My mistake. The three things are the three things on my mind that week. Those will be back shortly. And then the life ranked is about rank and life, right? But this is this is a little weird one. In honor of my 20 years in Los Angeles, I had more than just three things on my mind after living in Los Angeles for 20 years And we're going to get to it. I do remember the day. It had been a few months coming. I had originally thought about this uh, post-high school. You know, I I love my uh, hometown, the central coast of California, Pismo Beach, Royal Grande. I was attending college at Santa Maria's Allen Hancock Community College, San Luis Obispo, just north of us there. Love it. Love the era. Go back often. I've, I've, I've missed it over the last couple of weeks and months. I haven't had a chance to go back. But I knew at the time, in uh, 96, 97, that, that, that I was going to leave, that I wanted to leave, that I wanted to stretch on out. And, uh, you know, I'm a big Oasis fan, as you guys know, and there's a B-side around that era, around the 95, 96 era, they had a B-side rocking chair, and the first line of the song is, I'm older than I wish to be, this town holds no more for me. And I used to sing that all the time in my room. That's, that, uh, this is, I got to get out of here. Gotta get out of it. Girl, we gotta get out. Uh, You know, I'm singing all these songs. Okay, stop. I had to go. I had to go. I knew I had to go. Some people didn't go. Some people stay. Some people stay in your hometown. There's nothing wrong with that. Plant your stakes. Build your lives. I knew I wanted to go. I was in radio at the time, and you guys know that because I've talked about it so much to the point of annoyance, right? But it's interesting to think now. My radio career... Ended in January 98. January 98. It ended. Late January 1898. 20 years later. It's like George Lucas in his Star Wars poetry. 20 years later, January 2018, for uh, only the second time in my life, I was laid off. 20 years apart. Almost to the week. Almost to the week. Maybe give or take a couple weeks. Memory doesn't serve. But January 1998, I was laid off from a radio job. And I knew a change was coming. I knew I had to. I I had to figure it out. I had to figure out the next step. So from January of 1998 to August of 1998, I floundered about trying to figure out. I coached little league baseball. Had some unemployment. I was living at home. Sometimes I wish I was doing that now. It's a good base. Don't rush out, children. Don't rush out, children. And I was trying to figure out what was next. But in the back of my head, I wanted to go. And again, I talk about radio. I got a little off track there, but I talk about radio. You guys hear me talk about it. You know it's my favorite part of my life. I'll tell you something. When I was in radio, I did not listen to Yoda. My mind was not on what I was doing and where I was. It was elsewhere. I could have succeeded in radio. I could have gone to another town. I could have gone to not quite L.A., but I could have gone to other areas and built a radio career, but I wanted to be something else. I wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. I wanted to write screenplays. I wanted to do all that. There's a song by Soul Coughing called Screenwriters Blues, and if you're a Patreon supporter of mine, you could have heard that song. You can hear that song on last month's KZOK radio playlist, the private uh, Spotify, Spotify playlist I put together each month for my Patreon listeners for all of them, on all all tiers. And there's that song, Soul Coughing Screenwriter's Blues, and it is all about Los Angeles at 5 a.m. We are all, in some way or another, going to Reseda to die. And I used to listen to that song, and it was like, I I think it's time to go to L.A. Now, uh, when I was wrapping up my high school career, my head was off in the clouds a little bit. I I thought, I'm going to be a stand-up comic, and I wanted to do sketch comedy as well, but comedy in general. And I thought Toronto. I wanted to go to Toronto. There was a good Second City program up there in Toronto. Then there was Chicago. And, of course, well, there's New York. If I wanted to get to Saturday Night Live, I'd have to go there eventually. And I chose Los Angeles. And the Groundlings and all that kind of stuff, Will Ferrell, Sherry O'Terry, Chris Kattan, were tearing up the stage at Studio 8H. And I thought, ah, that's for me. And it's closer to home. And I have family in Los Angeles. But I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. I wasn't sure if I could take that leap. And at the time, I was working in radio. you have I had a job on the air five days a week, sometimes six days a week, most of the time six days a week. So where why would I want to leave? I didn't know if I'd ever do it, and I started to focus on Los Angeles. That's why I'd listen to that Soul Coughing song and other songs. Um, and I didn't know what was going to happen. And that's when January, I lose my job, flounder about, My friends Joel and Casey had already made the move. They were going to college. Joel at CSUN, Casey at CalArts. They were setting down roots, and I was like, I'm trying to make, I got to make this jump. So in the summer of 1998, I made the jump. Let's do it. And in my Plymouth Colt, my rickety two-door, four-seater, if you wanted it to be, but barely, Plymouth Colt, I drove down to Los Angeles uh, with my friends uh, in the car. We checked out some apartments in the San Fernando Valley. We found one in Granada Hills. and We applied for it. We we, we applied for it. We drove back. We filled out the applications in the manager's office at the uh, Festival Cinemas in Royal Grande, California, which is now a different theater chain now. I think a Regal Theater or something like that. And we sat there filling them out. This is my first like apartment application, uh, you know, I fell of the numbers and we wrote this letter to the manager, older guy's name was Jesse. I remember, remember, older, older, this old guy. I mean, he was probably 61, but at the time he seemed 90. Um, <laughs> and we wrote this, like, please, sir, can we have the apartment, sir? Not knowing that he probably worked for a property management company and all this stuff, but he was an on site manager, and we got it, we got it. I'll never forget that moment. I was behind the counter selling candy. I'd got this job. I lived off unemployment for a little bit, and that was not working. And I was, uh, again, home with the parents. But, you know, you want to, you you want, you want some worth in life. And I needed money. If I was going to move to Los Angeles, I needed money. So I got a job working at this theater, Festival Cinemas in Rural Grande, California. And I was behind the, the, the candy uh, counter area, uh, which has changed uh, a little bit now. But it was same. it's in the same spot. If you're there. I know there's some locals that listen to me. And I was behind the counter. It was a it was a midday shift. I don't know. There was not a lot of people around. And I see Joel. And Joel was like a mid manager. He was like a he was like a COS, a chief of staff type of like manager. He'd been there a long time. And he comes around, and he's like, We got it. You know, and he would he'd come back, he'd pick up the job during the summer. So he was at Seesaw. he's like, We got it. We got it. We're gonna be roommates. Got it. And I was like, Yeah, that was it. We're going to LA. Fame and fortune. We're going to do this. That's when it began. Stacked up, packed up, planned. It's ready to go. We we're getting the keys, driving down. And I drove down a caravan with my parents. They're in another car. I said goodbye to my dog, a little wiener dog named Ginger. And a uh, dog obviously, uh, you know, fortunately, like most dogs do, has to pass away. It, that was the dog. I have a lot of dogs in my childhood. We all have that, but that was like my dog. That was the dog I was connected to the most. Lived like 17, 18 years. That's a long time for a dog to be in your life. And I held her in my arms and thought I was going to be okay. I was like, yeah, 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 I'll come back and see you. I'll see you. I'll see you. It'll be good. Yeah, yeah, And then just lost it and cried. I'm a very sentimental guy. I'm very dramatic at times. I hold on to things. A lot of nostalgia run around my brain, even when I'm in the moment. I'm nostalgic for moments that are happening as as I speak, you know? And I got on the 101 South and my little Plymouth Colt packed to the brim with everything I own. My parents had a lot of the other stuff of, of mine in the car. Even then, I had a lot of junk. But I left a lot in the house, which is still there and it annoys my dad. <laughs> it's out there in the garage. A lot of baseball cards and G.I. Joe toys out there in the garage. And uh, I bawled. I bawled, cried, sobbed, scared, leaving my childhood behind, taking this big move. I don't apologize for that. If you guys listen to enough interviews here in the Napsack Files, you know I'm obsessed with people who make big changes and take big leaps. I love those moments. I love those moments. There's something really, really freeing about being on the open road heading to what's next. But it's hard. It's hard to do. And you listening right now might be in a type of position where you're sitting there going, I want to make a decision. I want to either go to Los Angeles. I want to go to New York. I want to go somewhere else. I want to change careers. I want something to change. And you have that opportunity to do so, but it's still going to be hard. And it's still going to ignite a fear in you and trigger anxiety. And you're going to be sad. It's sad to leave things behind. I was fine. I was nervous. I was anxious. I was ready to get on the road, uh, but I held that dog in my arms and s- tried to say goodbye. Stood in my kitchen. I remember tried to say, "All right, goodbye, Ginger. I'll see you. I'll come up in a couple months." Blah! Started crying. Started crying, and I didn't stop crying until near Ventura, California, which is about two hours down from where I lived at the time. And it was a great purge, though. I needed that. I'm that type of person. Some of you might not. One of my roommates, I was like, "Oh man, I I was real sad. It was tough to leave. I was crying." He was like, "Oh, I I, I don't know why. I didn't cry." Uh, Later, it was revealed he just had (laughs) did have a weird emotional disconnect with a lot of things, and he was uh, only our roommate for about a year, uh, and moved back home. But my other roommates were like, yeah, I get it. You know, they had been down in L.A. a couple of years, but yeah, I get it. I met my, my family down there, my uncle, I had my cousins, my Uncle Jim, who would later hire me in the security industry. And and even to this day, keeps me afloat, uh, helps me. Uh, it, it's sometimes that 20 years later, I'm still joking, like, I'm still a mess and you're still helping me, Uncle Jim. But I remember that first night. It was comforting to land and have family there. I think he bought me... But me and the family pizza. My mom was there. My mom took me to the grocery store. Ralph's. Spent like $129 on me at Ralph's. And I remember this is the first time, like, I was like, I'm on my, I can eat what I want. I can make what's that. Not that my mom at twenty. My, at 22, when I was working on radio, my mom didn't make my food for me. But, you know, you're home still. I was still home. Even though I'd go shopping for myself a little bit or go out with my friends. Like, you know, you're still home. At that age. But here I was on my own. It didn't work out too well. Gained a lot of weight fast. A lot of weight fast. So that began it. And I remember driving off the, uh, it was the 118 freeway, coming in the back way into Los Angeles, into the San Fernando Valley, up by Rocky Peak, driving in by Topanga Canyon. And I remember clear as day, looking out. Was not wasn't crying at this point. My parents are either behind me or in front of me. I can't remember now, but I do remember cresting over Rocky Peak and, and the, the pass there. My Plymouth Colt could barely get up these car, that hill and seeing all of the valley in front of me, which is vast and it's wide, and you can see all the way to the Hollywood Hills. And you can see even towards Universal... And the valley is, you know, as you're looking down into it, it is mostly flat. There's not a lot of huge buildings. Downtown Burbank, downtown Glendale, got a little bit of it. Then There's some close. There's Warner Center and Woodland Hills. And then there's some buildings in Northridge. Uh, as it would turn out, I'd be working at one of those buildings uh, for most of a 17-year period. The Northridge Mall, Northridge Fashion Center. And I could see it all from there. And I remember thinking, I'm hitting this town. This chapter is beginning. I don't know what is next but I'm going to find it. 20 years later, I'm still here. Almost to the month, I mean to the month, but almost to the week, I should say I'm laid off. Here it is, 20 years to the day. I'm almost back where, I'm, where I started. This George Lucas poetry, this Star Wars poetry is back in my life. I'm trying to figure it out all again. It's weird that the dates realign, But I've learned a lot, and I'm more, more prepared, which is why this week I wanted to talk to you and hopefully find you where you guys are at in your lives. Maybe you're about ready to make a big change. Maybe you've hit a new town. Maybe you're looking back on your own life, and you want to find solace and comfort. It's, you made the decision as well, and your life is now where it is. So with that, that rambly preamble, here is... My life ranked on things I've learned after 20 years in Los Angeles. Number five, know your freeways and shortcuts. Yep, this is going to sound a little bit like the SNL Californian sketch. It's so funny because it's true. I think more than any other city, uh, I mean, you have New York. And hey, you head up to 57, take the 7 train. You have that. Every every big city has a way of speaking. Every small city has a way of speaking. But Los, Los Angeles, our reputation is earned on how we talk about things. But you just don't you don't you know it right away. You move in to uh, Los Angeles, and right away you're like the 101, the 10, the 405, the 5, the 170, the 2, the 210, the 134, the 105, the 60, the 91, the 90. It's all there. It's how we talk about our freeways. And then you learn the other big roads, Ventura Boulevard, Rinaldi, Tampa, Reseda. These are the big ones in the valley. Burbank Boulevard, Riverside Drive, Lancashire, Laurel Canyon, and that'll get you over the hill. That turns into Crescent Heights. Then you got Melrose, Sunset, Santa Monica, La Brea, La Cienega, Doheny, Beverly, Wilshire. You've got all these streets. And they become their own personalities. Uh, The office is over on Wilshire. Ooh, okay, that's going to be a drive-or. Oh, I know what that means. You know what uh, these streets mean. You, You get to know it. But it's important to know your freeways and your shortcuts in Los Angeles. And I think I'm a stickler for it. When I first moved to Los Angeles, I was living in Granada Hills, the northern part of the San Fernando Valley, near um, what's now Porter Ranch and uh, North Hills, all these things up there. Granada Hills is one of the, uh, I guess I'll say, more affluent parts of the valley, but my part wasn't. I found the one street that wasn't. That's how four uh, young guys could get an apartment in Los Angeles. Oh, the rent. Four-bedroom apartment in 1998 cost us $920 a month. It's not even close. It's not even half of what I pay now. Oh, property values. So it's important. So, what I would do, like my father before me, he does this a lot. I think I got it from him. I would just get in my little car, my Plymouth Colt, and I'd drive. And I'd drive. Sometimes I kind of knew where I was going. Uh, my uncle lived up in the north part of the valley near me, my other uncle lived out in uh, Eagle Rock near Glendale. I knew those two points, and I knew where I was working, but that's about it, and I would just drive and drive and drive and find the streets that connect and find the main dregs and be surprised. 20 years in, sometimes I'm still surprised. Just the other day, I took a little road by my house, and I was like, where does it go? Because I walk on this road. I go out for my little exercise, uh, my exercise walks, and I uh, I don't know where this street goes. I, said, I One day, just kept, I just got in the car, and I drove. And it ended up, being kind of where I used to work and didn't know that this road, I think it's important to know these roads. I always say it's a little important for emergency situations. I'm a little bit of an obsessed freak when it comes to that. Whether it be an earthquake, um, some kind of natural disaster, uh, another kind of emergency situation, dare I say, sadly, or I don't want to say a terrorist attack, something like that, or an alien invasion. And that might be number one on my list. I think you need to know the route's out of town. I, in the back of my head, have kind of a plan. I'm not telling it to you in case you're going to use it and clog up my roads. In case of alien invasion, I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going in case of alien invasion. I swear to you, I have a backup plan. Earthquakes, you kind of have a plan. You might know where you want to get out of town or where you get to safety, but uh, that depends on what the earthquake decides to do. You got to know that stuff, and it's important. Now, I know people that live in town five, six years, still not sure of where things are, how to get there. And in this day and age of phones and GPS, it's totally easier. There's almost no excuse for getting lost. Not a lot of people get lost. A lot of people are late, but not a lot of people get lost. But back then, oh, the old days, kids. As Dutch Allen would say, Back in my day here, yeah, we didn't have Go Picture, we had Thomas Guides. That's right. I had a Thomas Guide. I loved maps. And it just sat there in my car. And I would drive, intentionally get lost, and find my way back to where I needed to go. And then I'd get back inside, I'd grab the map, take it to my bedroom, and I'd study where I drove, study where I went, learn. That's how I learned. And Is there a lesson there, or is Ken just crazy about freeways and routes? I don't know. I think there is a lesson. Case in point, when I started going to the Groundlings to train in January of 1999, I would take from my... uh, By this point, I had moved to Canoga Park, which sounds fancy. It's not. I would take the 101 freeway early in the morning, which was, you know... Bad enough with traffic sometimes. But anyways, you get into Hollywood, and I would take it all the way to Melrose because, well, the groundlings were on Melrose. That's what I knew. Again, prior to GPS. But I would take it. And then people would tell me, oh, oh, where you come from? The valley? Ah, you know, just come over the canyons, come over the hills, come over Laurel Canyon. Just take that. It drops down and you make a left. I'd be like, no, I don't know. And every time i get in my car, I'd be like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And even though I would often go drive and get lost, for some reason I was just afraid. My, My destination was in front of me, the groundlings. I knew where that was, Melrose Avenue. I'm taking the 101 to Melrose, even though the 101 to Melrose would drop me 20 to sometimes 30 minutes away from where I needed to be. And I'd stick to that. Hands gripped on the wheels, nope, 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 this is the way to go, this is the way to go, this is the way to go. And then one day, I dropped off my friend, this is years into it, it a couple years into the, uh, my tenure training at the Groundlings. Dropped off my friend Brian Keith, near his, near, uh, his house was near, uh, near the Groundlings Theater. And he's like, you know, you get back okay, right? And you just take the canyon there, take Crescent Heights, turns on the Laurel Canyon. And I was like, ah, yeah, no, I, do. I I go another way. I mean, I don't know. I don't even want to tell you the way I drive home. I drive all the way through, like, uh, Beverly Hills and take the long way back. So on that day, I remember, oh, okay, uh, I'm here. I'll just see what it does, you know, branch out a little bit. And there you go. Crescent Heights turns to Laurel Canyon. You wind through the famous road to the Hollywood Hills. You can almost hear Fleetwood Mac and Crosby Stills and Nash and Young and the, the Turtles and the Mamas and the Papas, and they're all up there. The ghosts of the 60s rock past. And it dumps out right into the valley, right in the Studio City area near the 101 freeway. Well, that cuts about 30 minutes out of my life. Saves me time. And I remember that moment, I felt so stupid. I felt so stupid. There was a destination in front of me. And there's a lot of different ways to get there. You just have to try. But I held on to that wheel and stuck to a plan that took me far and wide, away from my target. Oh, I'd get there eventually. Tired, a little ragged from the road, less gas in my tank. And I literally remember thinking, this would have been so much easier two years ago. Why didn't I take that route? People told me I didn't listen. It's an indication of my stubbornness, but a valuable lesson. If you're in Los Angeles, as in life, know your freeways. That'll get you where you're going, but also know the shortcuts. They can get you there as well. And the road might be a little different, but a lot more fun at times. And you'll be surprised when you try something new. My number four life ranked about things I've learned in 20 years in Los Angeles is get outside your chosen bubble. I moved here for entertainment. Hollywood. Welcome to Hollywood, baby. What's your dream? Everybody got a dream. That's what I moved here for. Specifically, alright I'm going to go train to the Groundlings, get on the Groundlings main company. I'm going to do stand-up comedy, and then I'm going to write, and gonna win an Oscar for a screenplay, and I'll be on Saturday Night Live at some point. That's my career. It was going to happen. Life takes you a different direction, we know. But weird thing happened to me because I didn't move straight away to Hollywood, and I still have never to this day lived in Hollywood. Stayed in Hollywood a lot, worked in Hollywood a lot, like it, like going there, like working in Beverly Hills, even though it was a drive. I'm fine with all that, but I've always lived in the valley. And a lot of different parts of the valley, but I've always been on this side. I always say the valley is where the adults are. That starts debates with some people. We're not here for that today. But because I lived on this side, I wasn't in the epicenter of the entertainment industry, the hustle and bustle of it. There's a lot of people in the entertainment industry in Los Angeles But, of course, and they live in a lot of different parts. Not all Hollywood. In fact, a lot of the goal, I think, is to get out. Make your money, get your house, move to the suburbs. Not for everybody. That isn't for everybody. I don't want it to be for everybody. But that is for a lot of people. But because I lived in a Hollywood-adjacent area, because I took a job in the security industry, I was forced to interact with a lot of different people. And it's important, I think, to get outside of your chosen bubble. And that's one of the things I'm grateful for of my time in Los Angeles. Ever watch Robert Altman's The Player? Early on, Tim Robbins' character goes to a lunch. Uh, Angelica Houston's there. John Cusack's there. They're playing themselves. It's a Hollywood power lunch. And those things are real. Those things happen. And those things are fun. But at one point, Cusack, I believe, is the one that says, Can we just, uh, can we try to talk about something else other than Hollywood, other than the industry at some point? Can we just, can we just, can we just not? We're real people. Let's do this. And there's silence. They can't. There's a beat. There's a laughter. It's been a while since I saw that movie, though. It's, it's one of my favorites. But that, that, that is what I'm kind of talking about here. Yeah, we're going to find connections within your chosen industry. This isn't just about Hollywood and entertainment. This is about you as well, where you're at and where you're living. Maybe you're in one particular industry, the construction industry, a tech industry. I think it's important and valuable to get outside of those bubbles, even if it's a chosen bubble, because you'll have a lot of different perspectives. You'll meet a lot of different people. Some of them won't be the same as you. Some of them won't think the same way you are. The same way you do. In small towns, sometimes uh, you can't avoid that. Uh, there might be different lines of work, all that kind of stuff. But you are all kind of uh, uh, unintentionally of a of a like mind. My small my small hometown is like that too. Not that it is a different, but it has a certain feel and vibe. Here, in the big cities, it's easier. It's easier to find yourself outside of the bubble. But I, I'm thankful that early on I actually did not have a lot of friends in the entertainment industry. They're good people. I have a lot of them now. But it's, it's helped me. It's helped my writing. And if you're a writer out there listening, young writer, old writer, whatever, a writer, you want to write both sides of the page, right? You don't just want to tell stories that are just about you or what you know. We're inside your industry. Oh, Hollywood loves to make those inside Hollywood movies. And they're great. I mean, the player is great. Uh, And people outside of Hollywood seem to be obsessed with that at times. Not everyone, but some are. But you want to be able to talk and get outside that bubble. Feel it. I always talk about the Star Wars bubble. I'm in it, I'm in the Star Wars media discussion world and I see the fans and I see the toxicity and, I feel, and it takes away the joy and it's there and the people go after me and they go after my friends and it's crazy and uh, I sometimes get tired of loving Star Wars and then I talk to some people some of my old friends and they're like, oh man, Solo was great, right? It was fun oh. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, oh you liked it? Oh why, yeah, people didn't like it? And I have to kind of go, uh, some, uh yeah some people didn't, oh that was great I mean, Last Jedi was even better. i were like, oh, well, <laughs> I love those conversations. I love those moments. So get outside of your chosen bubble. I was forced to. Took a job well outside the industry. Took a job with people um, who, you know, I worked with people from all over the world in, in one mall. It's crazy. Not just the, the people in my office, but the people out there working the carts, working the stores, working the management. Malls are little cities, and you're exposed to so much. And for me, uh, you know, a somewhat quiet, small-town kid. I learned a lot fast in that first year, and it helped me. Number three, try all things. Los Angeles is big. Twenty years in, and this is on me, you've already heard a little bit of my stubbornness, but also a little bit of my fear. Stubbornness and fear are a dangerous conversa- uh, combination. Not conversation. It's also dangerous. Con- dangerous conversation. It's a dangerous combination. It, it keeps you on a freeway longer than you need to be, as I learned. But Los Angeles is big, and there's still, 20 years in, things I realize I haven't done. The city is great. Get out and explore. Wherever you are, get out and explore. Small town, you might have seen it all. Find something new. Find something new to do. Try all things. You're outside your bubble, you meet new people. And I forget to do that. Ah, we get our little areas and where you live kind of becomes your epicenter. And I've lived in a, though I've lived in the San Fernando Valley all, all 20 years. I've lived in so many different parts, I've had different epicenters, and it's weird. And it happens, you stick around. But I still like going back to some of the old ones. There's places I'll go still in Northridge where I used to work and I lived for a long time just because I like it. And I'll take the extra minutes. Some of my best friends are out there, family's out there, but some of my shops, my comic book shop is about 35 minutes drive from me. But I still like doing it. It's about all things. And there's so many times now, even 19, 20 years in, and I'm thinking, I've I've been in L.A., and I've never gone to the Griffith Observatory. Never in my life. I got as far as the parking lot one time, just on one of my weird rambly drives, and then turned around. I didn't stop. I'm going to correct that. I'm going to correct that soon. You move to L.A., and people are like, go try this. Sure, I'll do it. And then you never do it. And looking back as I have this week at 20 years that's one of my regrets. It takes me too long to get off the crazy train of life of work, making it all happen, chasing your dreams, all that good stuff. And I do preach working hard especially in your 20s. You can always have fun later, but I'm <clears throat> well past that. And I forget, I forget to go try new things, to try new corners. New restaurants, new places, new epicenters. This city is great. I love Los Angeles. I think at times it gets a bad rap. I love the movie Collateral, and I understand when uh, Tom Cruise's character is talking about it, it's too too spread out. It's too disconnected. Yeah, there's some truth to that. Again, epicenters. We all kind of have our little epicenters, and we stick to them. But it's a wonderful city. It's a wonderful, big, sprawling city. I love going to downtown L.A., finding a different cut of people there, different jib, different cuts of jibs. I love that. And I remember one of the last times I went down to downtown L.A., it had been a bit since I've gone. I'm like, why why don't I make the effort? And that's probably the issue. Trying all things and trying new things and exploring Los Angeles is about the effort. And making that time. Oh, I believe in working hard. You absolutely should work hard. But eh, let's not forget to give yourself some time. Explore. Get out there. Looking back for 20 years, 20 years gone, that is where I failed in a lot of ways. Too narrow focused at times. What does that get you? Oh, yeah, a career, success, money. Mm, Yeah, I want that. Some people around me lately have, have suffered deaths, deaths of people close to them. And there is no sitting around thinking, well, I'm so glad we stayed in on that Saturday and worked really hard. So glad we paid that bill. Oh, that stuff's important, and you need to do it. Pay your bills, children, and work hard. Instead, people are looking back at the memories, the moments, and the places they went and experienced far and wide. That's where I look back 20 years in Los Angeles. From now, August 2018 to August 1998, There should have been more things checked off my list of things to do, things to experience, new things to find. That's something I intend to correct. My number two item here on this list of things I've learned after 20 years in Los Angeles is that life is in chapters, and some main characters change. The epicenter certainly does, but that should never lessen the connection. I can definitely look, and uh, it's not just about where I've lived, but I can definitely look at the little weird chapters. There's always these little seasons in life. From 1998 to early 2004, that was like the first chapter of my Los Angeles career. Started working security, was getting my footing. First took a job, I transferred. My job first down here was a movie theater job. Man 9, Granada Hills. It was on uh, what is that Balboa and Devonshire I believe for those keeping track at home you locals theaters still there I transferred down I got a job two three days a week maybe making 5 or 6 dollars an hour cleaning theaters selling candy occasionally tickets it was my least favorite thing my favorite thing was cleaning the theater and I would remember I've told this story before some places, so I apologize if you've heard it before. Maybe you're just a friend of mine listening, and you're like, I've heard this before, off air. It doesn't count if it's off air. I would—I uh, was broke, barely making it, <laughs> much like now. And so to save money and eat at the same time, I would take the leftover hot dogs from the movie theater. Now, not take like steal. They would divvy them out at the end of the night. Anyone want these? Most people would say no. I'm good, throw those sweaty hot dogs away, but I would like, oh please, I'll take two and I'd have the little plastic little uh, boxes that they came in and they'd been sitting there all night, the buns were all so soaked with hot dog perspiration and I'd grab a thing of ketchup and mustard and take it home with me and I'd get home first apartment in Los Angeles my other roommates would be asleep most of the time sometimes it would be like one or two in the morning, I'd sit there smearing whatever ketchup I could get out of the packet on this dying hot dog and eat it silently one light on over my head wondering if I did the right thing coming to Los Angeles is this going to work out? what did I do? I could have stayed home could have stayed in my safety net I'm eating a sweaty hot dog at 2 in the morning and i'm going to be hungry again tomorrow that was the first chapter Then i made a change in my job uh, got promoted worked in hollywood left the valley lived in the valley worked in hollywood though creating a new second episode epicenter i should say and episode got a, got a girlfriend my first real experience with relationship and it ended so fast I learned quickly of a, how a failed relationship works and started another one and that became a chapter of my life and that thing ended and then I went back to Northridge took a demotion but a raise and went back to the place where, our, where it all started where I thought I would never go back I'll never go back and work at that mall again and I did and I actually worked for a longer amount of time 2007 to 2015 and that became a new chapter a new season in my life. And I wondered if it was all worth it. And I crossed my 10-year anniversary. A little less pomp and circumstance for the 10-year. I didn't have a podcast then. You guys didn't have to listen to me back then. And throughout it all, throughout this time, the friends come and go. The guys I moved down to Los Angeles with, yeah, eventually one, you know, they both got married, uh, even that's changed for one of them. Uh, kids, job changes, we moved out, we moved apart. But I always maintain that they're Hall of Fame friends and the connections there. And I think that comes from, and any time we're around, we are recently around each other for my 42nd birthday. And it is like old times. It goes We've known each other since high school. And there's people I worked with, people who I'd met outside of my entertainment bubble. Oh, I don't talk to as often, though I wish I did. But when we do, the memories are there and the connections are there. And there's two things. You have to be prepared, and this isn't just about Los Angeles. It's about jumping into new places, and it's about life itself. There will be seasons. There will be chapters. Those main characters will come and go, but work to keep those connections. And both of you, all of you, should be okay with knowing that, hey, you were my best friend. We were tight, hung out every day, and life took us in different directions. No, I'm not talking about falling outs and fights. It just happens. And don't let that build. Don't let that turn into anything. Don't let that go away. You can see each other once a year, and it's fine. Facebook and social media, all that stuff pops up. MySpace, Friendster. Next thing you know, you were seeing people from your past you didn't want to see, but you can still stay connected. And that's what I like about it most. Social media is for, I always credit giving me any kind of career. You guys are only hearing me because you saw me on some YouTube show and maybe you followed me and that's why we're here. And I appreciate it. I'm forever grateful. It's why I don't talk totally bad about social media. And it's created some bad things, but the connections, it's there. When I look back 20 years into this journey for me, I still have connections with some of the big main characters. And I love that. Never lessen the connection. Never lessen what you learned. I think every person comes in your life, the ones that really matter, not just talking about relationships, romantic ones. Bosses, coworkers, jobs, people, friends, they're all there to teach you something. They're all there for what you need at that point in your life, and you, you know, are doing the same for them. And eventually, you're all going to graduate. You're all going to move on. might be marriage for one, a new job for another. You might leave the area. doesn't matter. But you went through something together, and that is valuable to me, and I never want to leave that behind. And there's times, there's some people, that things don't end the way you think it's going to end, and it gets bad and it gets confusing. But I think life's too short to always leave that behind. And even though it might be a period of darkness, a period of non-communication, if something went somewhat bad, you should always keep that door open. Life is too short. I've learned it here 20 years. Poof. Gone. Gone. But I've done so much. I sometimes get grumpy because there's sometimes people who I used to work with and I don't hear for them for a while, and they don't hear from me. And it's both of our faults. But then I get this thing like, ah, I used to know you. Come on. Did you forget about me? He's like, no, I didn't forget about you. Did you forget about me? Reach out. It's both sides. Let's do it. Towards the end of my high school run, last week or month or something. I was real close to gradu- graduating, and, and a lot of people knew me. When I was a senior in high school, I wanted to be a talk show host or a comic, and I was going to be a stand-up comic, all that stuff. And someone asked me, someone said, hey, are you going to remember me when you're famous, Ken? And I was like, are you going to remember me when I'm not? And that's what 20 years, one of the things that's uh, I've definitely learned. All these little chapters... You can still go back and read from them. Still go back and learn. You can still bring those characters with you. I have a wide variety of friendships and connections. I never intend to let them go. I always intend to learn from them, learn the lessons, and give back to them as well. You will find a cast of characters now. I don't know if I was to get married tomorrow and make my uh, groomsmen team... I don't know if it would be the same as it would be in 1999, and I don't think it should be. But they all could be at the wedding. You know what I mean? I mean, well, let's not get into headcounts and costs of weddings. Let's just not talk about weddings. So that's my number two reason. A little more up in the clouds, right? But I think you understand. My number one thing I've learned after 20 years in Los Angeles is take a leap and make a life. Driving over that hill, the rocky peak, moving in to Los Angeles on that 118 freeway, looking out at the valley and thinking, here I am, I'm going to do it. I'm going to conquer this city. This city is mine. 20 years later, uh, the city is not mine. And a lot of the things that I came into town planning to do, some I did do. Some I failed to do or failed to capitalize on. Sometimes I held too tightly to that wheel and took the freeway all the way to an exit when I could have got off earlier and got there faster. Made a lot of mistakes in 20 years, but I've had a lot of successes. I battled depression, battled suicidal thoughts, battled anxiety, battled fear of being on my own, especially in the early days. I didn't have a lot of friends. I struggled to make friends very shy, very socially awkward. Wasn't prepared in some ways to hit the town in that way. But you slowly, day by day, branch out. You slowly reach out. You slowly take a chance. You slowly take a new road. You drive and get yourself lost, and you find your way back. You do that in a car, and you do that with your life. Your goals change. The people come and go. Some people are there for a short, powerful amount of time, and some will be with you by your side for a long, long time, if not forever. You'll get hurt. You'll get damaged. You'll end up in a hospital like I did in August of 2006, losing a gallbladder. You'll watch people go. You'll watch people die. You'll cry. You'll laugh. You'll do it all. And 20 years later, you will look back and say, I did it. I'm here. And even though it seems as though I'm failing still and don't know my direction, I'm almost back to where I started. No job, no direction, trying to figure it out. You'll look back after 20 years and think of all the things you did. And when you say, ha, I did it. What's funny about that is what you did is not what you set out to do. But it feels like it is exactly what you were supposed to do. It feels like exactly what you were supposed to be. I look back at some of the darker times and moments I've had where I didn't think I'd get out of this job I hate. I didn't think I'd have the money to do it. I watched other people succeed. I'm working hard, too. And What am I going to do? My car's broken down. I'm in pain. What am I going to do? You literally hold on for one more day. You take a breath, and you figure it out. We are all more resourceful. Than we give ourselves credit for. We will all have much more strength than you know. I was just texting with a friend the other day. We're both unemployed, not sure what to do with our entertainment careers. And I said, you survive? And he goes, I'm surviving. How about you? I said, I'm surviving. I don't know how. He says, I don't know either. But we are. August 15th, 1998, I moved to this wonderful city with hopes and dreams and thoughts and plans. It has not gone, not even close to the way that I thought it would. But I'm where I want to be 20 years later. And I hope you guys can find where you want to be and where you want to go or I hope you where you are standing now can look back and realize oh I did it I wasn't planning this but I did it thanks for hearing me out thanks for indulging me thank you for all of you thank all of you for your support Especially if you're a knapsack file listeners, listener that's going back to 2013 when I launched this damn thing with a crappy microphone and a Radio shack audio board plugged into a, a, a like four computers ago. If you go back and listen to the first episodes, first one with Matt Key in 2013, it will not sound like this. It will not sound like this. But I'm here because of you guys. Specifically, I want to shout out my producer Patreon supporters. Uh, This is the producer and executive producer level supporters. They make this show happen uh, uh, in even another level because we actually have meetings. That's right. We have meetings in the boardroom. Jason Humphreys, Pagnetti. Pags to you and me. Alex Marriott, Kai Thatch, Kyle Gerbrandt, Zach Anderson, Donald Long, Ranger Donald on Twitch, and uh, The Amazing Web. Also, my executive producers, the great author Aaron Parisian. Check out her stuff. Look her up online. David Ham. He is also Real Snacks Attack at Temporal Radio. Thomas Risling, Sir Thomas Atal. Lethal Logan Axe will come back to that. Matthew Simon, Bador Jacob at Legends Con and Kyle Harlow, who's also designing some shirts <laughs> along with Thomas. Uh, you can buy shirts that they've designed on tpublic.com user, uh, slash uh, Ken Napsock. I want we'll to go back to Lethal Logan X. He's one of my executive producers here on Patreon. He supports me at a high level, but he also supports me in a lot of other ways because he's uh, my uh, brother from another mother, uh, my friend Paul, who I worked with and first met way back in 2000... Mm. <laughs> 2001, early 2001 at the most. And we've been together through uh, as friends and brothers through thick and thin, through a lot of changes. And uh, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Get some of those people in your corner. That is it. I appreciate it. You want support, you want to consider supporting, go to patreon.com slash Files. But as I always say, the best way you can support is listen, share, tell other people, and just Enjoy what I put out. We have a guest next week. More things on the way. I think Dutch Allen's going to come back soon. We've got a hot Sizzler Night planned. I want to thank you all. You can follow me at KenNapsuck. That includes Instagram and Instagram TV. Uh, catch me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash You know the drill. You know the places. Here is to 20 more years in Los Angeles.